Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Open Guardcast. Were we gone? Yeah, sure. Were we? Did we ever really leave? No, we never have, and we never will, because the words spoken on this podcast will live on the internet forever. That can be both a scary thing, and it can make us comfortable. We choose to make... Moving on. So, I am Jake Watson. I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell, my co-host, and we are joined by the inimitable American hero, Gianni Grippo. Fun fact, before I introduce Gianni, uh, Kate, we had a, a guest on our show for episode 69, <clears throat> Cade Roke. And Cade, uh, his his favorite jiu-jitsu fighter is actually one Gianni Grippo. And uh, I remember a long time ago I met Gianni at a, uh, a tournament. I think it was Pans. And I, and I took a video with Gianni and I said, hey, can you please uh, say Cade sucks <laughs> and Gianni's so nice, he he wouldn't do it. He just said, "No, I can't say that. I don't know, Cade. I was like, you don't need to. Just say it." But uh, anyway, we're here with Gianni. We're fighting on the EUG Promotions 160-pound black belt Grand Prix that we are doing the coverage for. So, Gianni, thank you for joining us, man. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. Sorry, it was a pain in the butt. I'm very, I'm not very good with you know um, any type of technology, pretty much. So you guys sent me the link to try to get on here, and it was just a pain in the butt. I'm like, this, this, this is typical of me. This is not. Uh, my mo so it's yeah. all good we have uh we have skype glad as a backup <laughs> glad, we, glad we were able to make it happen oh yeah sure. yeah and uh and we, we uh we've been doing these interviews for the eug promotions and we've been finding out a lot of the awesome stories about, about how some of the competitors even got started in jiu-jitsu and uh one thing that i've noticed about you gianni just i want to start out uh, on the first question is oh you're really big on drilling you're really big on uh setting standards setting commitments and and staying true even in like like let's say there's a there's a a period of time where like oh man I didn't feel like I was really uh, getting the better of the competition scene but you're still finding new ways to push yourself. What is like a mess? What is something that? How do I want to say this? I want to say where when did you start implementing that into your game? Like was there any certain figure in your life that inspired you to act a certain like that way? Where it's it's really inspiring to be honest, and it's inspired a lot of people at my academy and I'm sure other academies too. Was there one period in your jiu-jitsu career where you started to think I just got to be setting standard every single day uh, you know actually it really just started early on in my life like my my parents were were very regimented and everything that they did my dad especially because my dad was was a triathlete before i was even born he was so he was very regimented in his work ethic so he always kind of just instilled that in me like consistent hard work is really the only way to get anywhere um so even before jiu-jitsu i always kind of was instilled with that mindset that came from runs before school in the morning, even before I started doing jiu-jitsu, it was just a matter of, you know, being active, staying in shape, stuff like that. So that came from my parents, first of all, and then kind of having that mindset of like keeping a good, consistent work ethic, knowing that you have to put in the work to get anywhere. Um, I kind of gravitated towards people like Cobrini and the Mendes brothers who first were in my division and second, um, obviously showed a, a, a strong and consistent work ethic when it came to drilling, when it came to training. Um, I always appreciated. I remember when I was like a pro belt, I went to a couple of Mendes Brothers seminars, and they were very nice to me. They, they knew that I was very serious, and I would ask them a lot of questions. And they would just tell me that, um, you know, they had a schedule set. They were very set on their schedule. They said if it was on the schedule, sometimes there'd be days that you wouldn't want to do it. But it, like, hey, you knew that that was what's going to help you get to where you want to be. So you know, always stick to the schedule, um, regardless of how you're feeling that day. Um, I think I've, I've, I think I've changed over the last couple of years where I, like I've kind of, I think the longer I've been in black, belt, not that I've ever gotten lazy, but that I'll kind of, you know, see how my body's feeling. You know, I kind of try to be a little bit smarter. Uh, if you're not feeling great one day, maybe not overexert yourself like you would 
like you would when you're like 21. But, um, you know, yeah, that, that pretty much started with my parents building me up as a kid and then going into jiu-jitsu once I found certain people to look towards at the highest level. Um, it was more like the Mendes brothers keeping good, consistent routines with their drill schedule and training schedule and always kind of sticking to it, um, regardless of how you feel that day. Yeah, definitely. I think something else that really sets you apart from a lot of the other competitors is not only are you drilling and training consistently, but you compete on a really consistent schedule too. So yeah, do you feel, yeah. do you feel like that has been a big part of your success? Cause I feel like there's some, some guys like, like Mikey or, um, maybe Nicholas Marigali or Bouchesha when he was competing more, they competed a little less frequently. Like they'd always be at the worlds, yeah. but they weren't hitting all the IBJJF opens like you do. Do you feel like that's something that's just kind of like personal preference or do you feel like that really contributes to a lot of your success? Uh, I think that contributes to a lot of success and I even notice certain trends, um, and it's something I wish I could get better at. I actually give them a ton of respect for being able to compete um, not as often and still come into these tournaments feeling sharp. You know, I always yeah. felt like once I started competing at Black Belt for a while, then I wouldn't compete as often. But then when I started doing that, like, I kind of felt like I lost a rhythm a little bit. Um, I just, First of all, I just really enjoy being out there. It's something I really enjoy. I, I'm jealous of people when they compete a lot. Last year was tough watching a lot of competitions. Um, I like the feeling of having a tournament where you have a lot of matches, where you put a lot of effort. Like this last week, I went to Dallas, and I left the tournament feeling really sore and beat up. And I woke up on Monday feeling all shitty. But then I, but I was like, man, I feel good. This, feels, this is what I enjoy doing. Um, but also, I notice the more I compete, the more I just get more comfortable. The thing is, you want to go into tournaments not feeling like you have a set routine. Because sometimes there's little things that get in the way before a tournament where you can't always have exactly what you want. Maybe you can't get the breakfast you want before you compete. Maybe you don't have a drill partner to work with that you like to have before. But when I, the more I compete, the more I'm just like, ah, screw it. I don't, I'm not worried about having a routine before. You can kind of just go in and adjust and go with the flow as the day goes on. Whereas if you, I feel like if I compete less, all of a sudden I want my routine more. Um, but the more I compete, the more I'm just like, I'm down to kind of just, you know, like I said, go with the flow and, and not worry so much about having every little thing that I want before a tournament uh, go the way I'd like. So I kind of compete a little bit looser the more I continue to put myself out there. So for me, like even thinking about this tournament, I like the fact that I'm jumping in a couple tournaments before just so that when I go to this tournament, um, I'll be like, well, I've been competing a bunch. I, I don't know what the routine is going to be like, but I'll, I'll be like feeling like I'm getting into a rhythm at that point. I feel like Dallas is kind of doing that for me. I had six matches. I didn't feel comfortable until I got to about my fourth or fifth. And then, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll compete in Orlando in uh, two weeks and then I'll fly to Vegas after. So just, you know, kind of getting a rhythm of something is good for me. I guess I'm never really going to be one of those people that um, um, feels comfortable competing like twice a year. Yeah, that's awesome. So I do want to talk about EUG promotions because you just brought that up, and um, that's something we're trying to cover as best as we can. So that's yeah. like a really, really stacked bracket. Um, I think you've competed against everyone except Jonathan and Andy. Is that correct? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. Most of the other guys are normal featherweights, whereas yeah. Jonathan and Andy are, are more lightweights. I'm, yeah, I think I think everybody. Okay. Yeah. So are there any – so? First of all, I guess, what was like your initial reaction when you saw the whole bracket come out? I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we said, too. Because, because I, I kind of took a – I didn't take a, a shot in the dark, but like I've, I, I remember I was always very um, – I was always very curious about taking events that I'd never heard of before, you know, or that were brand new. 
And I've, I've kind of shot myself in the foot a couple times in the past. You know, like I remember, what was it? ACB invited me to like their very first event. And I'm like, what is this Russian event that I've never heard of? You know, and they're, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're talking all this, all this money. And I'm like, ah, this can't be real. I thought it was like a scam. And then all of a sudden I really, I saw it wasn't, I'm like, ah, I should have, should have jumped on that. Yeah. Same thing with Spider when I didn't know about that, you know, so when Hector messaged me and I, I was kind of like, you know what? It's in Vegas. I know this guy. I, I believe in, in things he puts together. Um, he's always been really cool with me. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's not, let's not, you know, miss out another good opportunity to compete again. Uh, but I wasn't too sure about who was going to be in it. It was, I'm like, well, you know, maybe some of these high level guys are kind of thinking the same way that I usually would, you know, what is this? I don't know much about it, but obviously, um, no one thinks the way I did <laughs> and, all, and, and, and all, and all the high level guys got in there. But, um, but it's really cool seeing a bracket like that. You know, I think you can go into it kind of just almost with like house money and just go fight, you know, and that's it. Um, I almost feel sometimes I almost feel like I have more pressure on myself when I'm in a bracket where I'm kind of like favorite or maybe expected to win or whatever. But in an eight man bracket like this, where it's just like everyone is so good that, you know, there's not one particular person you're looking for. It's everybody. It's just like, you know, let's just go into this. Let's have some fun. Let's take it one match at a time. And let's just leave it all out there and see what happens. And that's it. And that's kind of like the more enjoyable events to kind of be a part of where, you know, you just kind of focus on the technique. You focus on doing what you trying to apply your game as best as possible and just let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I feel kind of the same way. You know what I mean? Like even with super fights, <clears throat> with super fights, I feel like I've learned to enjoy the process more and to kind of not get so caught up in, in the result just because I, I like the results going to happen regardless of how I feel about it beforehand. Right. Like if I go out there feeling awful and like I'm not enjoying my day, like something you said that resonated with me was your routine. Like I used to try to have a routine. I would always eat like the same food before a tournament or and then like I would go to a restaurant. They didn't have my food. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I would already be, I would already be mad before the tournament. And I, I used yeah, to try yeah, to yeah. set like a music ritual. But now it's like, I don't know. I was talking about this with Danny before the show. It's kind of like. I don't even really try to act any differently than how I normally act before a fight. I just try to have fun because at the end of the day, you know, we do this because we love it. And I think about that every now and again. I'm like, if I treat this like it's a chore, I'm not going to really enjoy it very much. And you know what? Um, another thing about that as well that I think is important to think about. Um, I used to like, I used to like think about how my moods were before the tournament. Like I, I, I was, so say for example, I talked to a sports psychologist and he helps me out with this a lot. I told him like one time, that I had a certain mood. I can't even say sometimes, sometimes I'm a little bit more serious. Sometimes I'm a little bit more talkative with people. It's, it's a range of emotions for me. I'm never just one way. Um, but I remember I had one mood, one tournament, I did really well. And I'm like, Ooh, you know, I felt good that day. Let me try to mimic that the next time I go into mm -hmm. conference. But if you try to mimic something, it never comes out the same. It's very, it, it becomes forced. So yeah. what I always discuss with him is like, you know, however you're feeling that day, whether you're kind of like just angry at everyone and don't want to talk to anybody before you compete, whether you're kind of, whether you want to chat with people, go with how you feel that day. Don't try to force it into something else that's not real. Like I remember one tournament, I think it was um, a grand slam I fought and I fought, uh, I, it was the first time that I beat Paul Meow, and that was a big deal. And I remember I was like in a real kind of um, serious mood that day. And I was like, but I had to tell myself like, no, don't, don't try to mimic this the next tournament you go into. And I remember for a split second when I went into Kasai, the next tournament that I did when I was going to fight Paulo again, I was in like a really like light mood talking to people, having a good time. And I'm like, am I, is this wrong? Because, you know, I had such a good tournament last time being, being in this frame of mind, is it going to be a problem 
being in a different frame of mind, but I, I reminded myself of what my coach said, just like, you know, go with how you feel. Don't try to force it into something else. And it, it worked out that tournament as well. So I think like talking about routine as well, even just your mindset or your mood or your, who you're talking to or who you're not talking to. Um, don't think that one way is going to be the, the only way that's ever going to work for you. Um, if you're able to be adjustable, uh, you know, it, it could work anyway, just as long as it's not forced. You know? oh, man. That is so interesting to me because I feel like it's really hard like with something like an emotion like that that you're trying to control. I would imagine that could be kind of stressful like if you're not angry like you feel like you should be. It's like, oh, why am I not feeling the same way as I did when I performed so great? Man, I think mm -hmm. that's that's really interesting. That's really good advice for people. Yeah, yeah. I've always felt that like that helps. Awesome. I feel like a lot of athletes had to have struggled with that with it with that at one point too. So it's pretty relate. It's relatable for me, you know, cuz I I used to think um so like like that competition and not that it doesn't matter because it does, but I used to think that it mattered for reasons that it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it matters to me. I love jujitsu. I love, I love to have victory. I love to represent well, and it's fun. It's like an honestly fun time competing. But like, I used to think like, Oh my gosh, like if I don't win, people are going to think this. And I'm like, what the hell? Like I was super, I was super hung up on uh, everything else. And hearing that is like, okay, cool. I'm not, you know, I'm not alone in conflating competition. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about like who's who's going to be on the uh, the EUG card. Are there any particular guys that you want to have a rematch with, or th are there any um, particular like first round matches that you think would be really fun? Oh man, no, <laughs> I can't think of any. <laughs> I really can't. I really can't. All of them. All of them. I mean, I'd love to have matches with with any one of the guys. Um, you know, it's hard to say because I've, I've pretty much fought all of them. I've won against a bunch i've lost against a bunch um i mean i guess the, I, I always think of the most recent one um i fought i fought tiago macedo at pants last year and mm -hmm. i remember just being super annoyed with that match just because i mean his his oh, defense man. was his defense was impeccable it was like he scored two in the beginning off like kind of a guard pull takedown type and just i'm pretty sure i spent the rest of the match i was actually very pleased with how i fought because i fought very forward um, which is something I always try to focus on more. If I think le I think less about the result and more about how I want to compete as well. Um, and I feel like usually that leads to, re to good results. But that time it didn't. I, I did everything I could <laughs> to score for 10 minutes, and he just defended so well. So I would love to be able to just score a couple points on that guy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I even beat him a couple times before. I, I tapped him twice before, but I realized that I, I went back on both matches. I still never got the hooks on the back. It's like it would always be like chokes without the hooks. It's like that guy is yeah. so hard to get the two hooks. And I'm determined to get that. But um, almost anybody else in the bracket I'm, I'm down to compete with. Um, it's really hard to choose someone in particular. Mm -hmm. everyone, everyone I've put on such a high regard. For sure. Yeah, just going back to that Tiago match. That match was so crazy. I think anyone who watches that match and didn't know IBJJF rules would think that you won. <laughs> just because it's like you were on his back like – he just did such a good job at controlling the pan grip and not letting not letting you get the hook. And I've seen him do that with Jamil, and it's crazy his defense. So talking to him about it was crazy too, because he was saying well, that he he's been focusing on it like his whole career, which hmm. makes sense. <laughs> well, it, it was funny to me because at first I remember I, I was like pissed off after I even I even said like <laughs> I remember after the match while we we're kind of walking around before the ref raised your hand like oh so that's how you're gonna do it huh that's how you're gonna win. <laughs> all right I see I see I was I was bitter I was bitter. And then I wasn't watching the rest of the division, but my, my, my dad was more into it than I was. He's like, oh, man, he just beat Sam the guy. I'm like, oh, wow, you know, 
he's going to fight Mateus Gabriel in the final. I'm like, ah, I, I would favor Mateus Gabriel. I left for the airport already at that point. I was so mad that I bought a flight right after I lost. <laughs> like, oh, I'm man. Going oh, man. I'm, going, I'm going home right now. <laughs> right now. But, uh, and then I'm at the airport. He's like, man, he beat Mateus Gabriel the same way, the, all three fights. I'm like, all right. If he was able to do that all three fights that day, I, I mean, respect. <laughs> yeah, respect, <laughs> respect. for I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I came back. Uh, well, I went, one day I went to training. I don't think I meant to do this, but I was training with the Meows a lot that day. And I just spent a lot of time with them, like on my back. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think I spent like a good two rounds without them being able to get the hooks, you know? And I, so I was kind of trying to channel my inner Tiago and it was <laughs> such a struggle. I'm like, Oh my God, how does he do this? Because it was so hard. <laughs> I spent so much energy trying to keep them off me. Um, so for him to be able to do that in competition against, you know, three tough guys is uh pretty impressive yeah three really tough guys so oh, super yeah. impressive um so are there any matches in that bracket that you'd like to watch like taking yourself out of it i i mean i guess it depends on when that bracket actually comes out uh i would love to see just just going kind of like out of weight classes because some of these guys are feather and some are light i'd like to see jonathan and isaac because yeah, that'd be cool. because i think those two have two of the most like precise jujitsu in the bracket like isaac i always feel like has very clean looking jujitsu and mm -hmm. jonathan i think is kind of i think they're kind of the same in that way you know um, yeah so i just think it'd be a very technical match um i think that'd be one that would be fun to watch i'm trying to think of another one what are two guys that'd be a bit more wild maybe like a jamil and marcio match um yeah that'd be cool i i, I can't say for sure but i th i mean to be honest, I really think any of them would be good. Yeah, that was interesting. I like what you said, uh, Jonathan and, and Isaac, because their games seem very systematic. Uh, you can watch yes. their matches and pick up patterns with how they how they like to pass and how they like to sweep. So that would be a really cool one. Exactly. Like just, it seems like every movement that they make is very purposeful. You know, there's not there's no excess movement movement to their game. They're both very athletic too. They move well. Um, they don't stall. They always move forward. So I think a match with those two would be would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, mm -hmm. cool. I feel like those are the scariest kind of fighters, the ones that are athletic, but they have like, it's like an athletic, purposeful movement. It's not just like um, a bunch of nonsense and then something happens. It's like, okay, this guy's athletic, he's explosive, and if he does something to me, it's going to be very precise. And I feel like that's how, like that, that's like Jonatas as well, you know, like, uh, and, and I know Jonatas isn't, uh, he's not in the bracket, but He's like Jonathan Gracie. I feel like he's kind of the same way. He's very explosive, very strong, and he's like very precise as well. So yeah, don't see an example of that for sure. So so you talked a little bit. You brought up uh, training with the Meows, and I know your training routine kind of changed with COVID and Marcelo's being shut down. So can you talk about that experience a little bit? I know it's probably kind of tough for your, for you and for some of the other competitors from Marcelo's. But what was that like having to kind of find a new? training routine and environment and stuff and and how was that like was there any like benefits to that that maybe you wouldn't have thought about before before it happened oh yeah no it's it's honestly been um this this whole time is you know the, the silver lining has been finding those guys to train with on a daily basis you know um to be honest like at marcelo's like there weren't too many um we ha we had uh, nick salas and dandy freestyle yeah um, those guys marcelo's, are awesome but they were like but they were they were still brown belts at the time, and I remember a lot of times when I was training with them, they were still coming up. So to have like, I mean, now they 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 push me like crazy, and they're they're super tough. But um, having the twins on a daily basis has been, you know, I think it's been really beneficial for my game. 
even if we're not like ex- talk, going over things with each other, just just kind of being in the same room with them and training with them every day, um, you kind of just almost start taking the, the the stuff that they start that you see them doing to you all the time. <laughs> so I, I find it to be really beneficial. Um, and also just to have uh, two guys that are my size who kind of have similar games, um, who are both relentless, um, you know, who are also like have, you know, we do, we just have very similar mindset, similar goals. So um, it's uh, it's been really good for me. You know, and Marcel's a lot of the main guys were always bigger. There was like Marcos Tinoco's and Mateus Anises and Mateus Luches's and Marcelo's, of course. And that was great. But they had very different styles. It was a little bit more uh, rough and tumble style game and kind of just outworking your opponent. Whereas for me, um, I needed to see a little bit more of the technical side of the game. And I feel like that's what that's what the twins provide. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I've been learning a lot through them, whether it's going over drills with them or just through the sparring, um, just kind of uh, what do you call it? Osmosis or something. Yeah. You know, you yeah. Kind of pick it. <laughs> kind of pick it. I, I find like they, they, they we won't even go over barambolos together, but them just baramboloing me. <laughs> I feel like whenever I whenever I train with everyone else, my barambolos have kind of improved just by kind of feeling how they do it all the time, you know, um, so. I think it, I think it's been great for me. I, I sometimes I, I get a little frustrated because the results in competition haven't been what they what I've wanted them to be over the last year or so. But honestly, I feel like my game overall has improved over a, a lot over the last year uh, training with them every day. You know, so hopefully this tournament uh, in a couple of weeks is kind of like uh, the one where we finally see <laughs> the results of all the of all the hard training we've been putting in together. Mm-hmm the fruits the fruits of your labor uh, how's your uh how's your since we talked about jiu-jitsu and how the training is there has your have you made any adaptations or uh changes to your strength and conditioning uh no it's been pretty much the same i have a i have a program that i've been working with since 2019 um counter-strike combat sports they work with a lot of um mma fighters um in jersey here and you know, they're, they're very helpful to me. They kind of just ask me what my goals are. Um, so for a while, it was like getting stronger, like especially during when there was no tournaments going on. But one issue that I have in my game is I'm not I'm not like that athletic explosive guy. You know, I kind of start slow. I'm kind of a slow grinder. So I've been asking them to like help set up programs where I focus on more explosive work, less weight. So it's like more medicine ball tosses, more lightweight, fast work. And um, I feel like that's been working well for me. I feel like I'm, I'm improving uh, strength conditioning wise through that. Um, and I do that every day after training. So we, we train from 10 to 12 every day in the morning. And then about like 1230 to 132 o'clock, I'll do that workout three times a week. And then we'll train again at night from about six to eight, 830. <laughs> so it's a full day, but um, I get, I get that in between uh, three to four times a week. And it's, I feel like that's been really helpful. All right. So, so uh, one thing we kind of talk about on the podcast a lot is like what the optimal like training environment is for a, for a high level competitor. And we've had people like Espinon who trains with just like a few high level guys and then mostly like lower belts. And then we've had a bunch of guys from Atosan who have plethora of world champions to train with. So yeah. what, what do you feel like works best for you? Cause I feel like at Marcelo's, like you said, a lot of the guys, they weren't your size, but th- there were a lot of like high level world champions. And it seems like now you just have like, you have Paulo and jo- Joao. And like you said, the, the Bolo bros that you train with sometimes, but a lot of, a lot of it seems like it's lower belts too. So do you feel yeah. like that you're, you're still able to improve and 
you know, get all the training that high level training that you need in with that type of environment versus training with all the world champions? So, you know what, I think it depends on your mindset. Um, I really don't know if you need a ton of high level world champions to, to be a high level yourself. Um, like I trained at schools, I trained at gyms. Like when I went first, went to Marcelo's, there was really no high level guys, but I was very self-motivated. Um, I always kind of came in with a certain goal in mind, technically, uh, that I needed to work on. Um, you know, I, 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 I had certain goals in each round in training, whether it was a black belt or whether it was a blue belt. Sometimes the rounds with the lower belts is even better for you. I even noticed that I feel like my game didn't really improve so much at Marcellus at certain points. I remember one time we did sit, we would do six rounds and each round would be with a different black belt. And maybe we'd have, we'd be so like neck and neck with each other that we'd maybe exchange one or two positions, the whole training session. It'd be me just guard retention and them just trying to pass my guard the whole time. You know, at the end of it, I'd be like, what did I really get out of that by kind of just trying to by really going nowhere with these black belts? You know, yeah. So you can't, you need those lower belt rounds where you're rolling with the blue belts and purple belts and, and, and try to be more experimental and try to open up your game. Um, so for me, I try to find like a balance. I like to I, every other round, they'll go with one of the one of the twins. And then the in between rounds, all the other partners I'll, at first, I'll say in our little quarantine are really tough. We have a lot of good purple and brown belts that have come and trained with us. But at the same time, there are some rounds where I can kind of open up a little bit more. Whereas with the twins, I can't do that quite as much, but I feel like that's a good balance to have where you have those hard rounds that you're getting pushed. Like it's a world final, but then you're also getting those rounds where you can kind of open up your game more experiment, see what works, see what doesn't work. Um, you know, stuff like that. I, I think you need a balance of both, uh, to become high level. So I, I do think it's, it's tough either way. If you're rolling with all, it, it's actually a little, it could be a little detrimental in my opinion to just roll with all black belts because you're not really trying anything new. You're just sticking with what you know best and you're really not getting a chance to expand on your game. And then it's also tough when you're not really getting pushed at the same time. If, if you have a lot of just blue belts to train with, because then you don't really know what that super, what, what getting pushed into the deep waters with a really tough guy feels like there's ways to mimic it, of course, but it's, it's not always the easiest thing to, to mimic. Um, so if you it, finding a kind of a balance between the two is uh, really important to me. I remember at Marcelo's, I, I noticed that like sometimes that morning session with all those black belts was good in one way, but not great in another way. So I made a goal when I would come back and train at night to not train with the black belts. First of all, I was totally shot anyway. I, I was I was too tired to do that anyway. But I would try I would try to find more of the blue and purple belts in that session to kind of use that more as experimental session and, and try to see what just try to open up my game much more um and kind of have a little bit more fun with it jake i kind of want to get your take on that because i know you have talked a little bit about this too in the past with, mm -hmm. with some of the other guests i uh i think that what johnny's saying uh definitely hits home because i have to spend a lot of my time mimicking um since I was 12, I've been training with a lot of the same people and I, I don't really, I don't really have a lot of opportunities to cross train because I also coach in my academy. And, uh, so basically I, I, I train the majority of people I train with are masters competitors. I have about yeah. three adult competitors at my gym. I do have brown belts and I have, but I'm, I'm the only black belt really right now until, uh, some of the, some brown belts get promoted. But uh, they're all I mean, I don't know what it is about masters competitors, but they're all nuts. So they're all trying to, <laughs> they're all trying to kill me. Right. And a lot of them give me really, really tough rounds. Um, a lot of them also know my game, so I'm forced to open up in a tough round. 
And uh, but there are times I also try to do the same thing where I try to like, OK, I'm learning something new, like collar and sleeve. I remember two weeks before I fought Heapmar, I had to learn. I was learning collar and sleeve. And then I went out against Heapmar. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like actually kind of this could work against him because I know he likes to pass really, you know, with a knee cut and this could stop the knee cut. So I went out and I did it. But if I didn't have those two weeks of rolling with the lower belts and then trying it on the higher belt and then lowering it, on, you know what I mean? Like what you just talked about, then uh, I probably wouldn't have worked. So I do totally agree. I think that it's a uh, it is more about, you know, what you're willing to put into it, though. I don't think you necessarily need it, but I think that it's it's def or like what I mean by you don't necessarily need to be training with black belts all the time. But if you're not, then you need to be able to adapt yourself. You need to be able to push yourself and have that intrinsic motivation to open your game and uh, use what what you have. Yeah, you, you, you definitely just don't have the luxury of kind of not maybe not having to think about the training as much. You can kind of just go in and be like, okay, you know, this is, I'm going to be training with super high level guys. So I don't need to really, or I have a high level, you know, coach who's going to, then they're going to all help me out here. You kind of have to, you know, be a little bit more self-motivated. You kind of have to mm-hmm. be a bit creative with your training. Um, even one night where we didn't have the the twins in and it was like you say, I have a lot of masters guys that come in from Marcelo's now and train with me. And so I'm like, okay guys, we're going to do a lot of specific training. Um, if you're the high, if you're the lower rank, you start in the dominant position each yes. round, you know, mm-hmm. so my, so then I'm just using this as, a, as one example that I do. So my mindset is I'm starting a match. Say we do a five minute round. I'm starting a, a match behind by three points. If he starts from side control, four points, if he starts from the best. Yes. And my goal is I have to get out of this position first of all, and I have to make up the points in that time, you know, so that's, that's kind of like the type of training that will help me help push me. Um, if you don't have the the room overall to push you oh yeah and that's exactly what i do and i think that one thing that uh, if if anybody listening to this has a, a, a like a communicative relationship with their coach you can tell your coach that and like uh if you're if you're wanting to be more high level and just like communicate that because what i did was andre is my professor he's been my professor since i was 12 years old um he was like all right cool you're not allowed uh and this is before i accepted my fight that i'm that i'm fighting a week but um uh, he's like, all right, we're going to start. You have to start in mount. They have double underhooks on you. Cause that happened to me against Gustavo Batista. So Andre's like, that's never, you need to know how to get out of that. And I'm like, well, Andre, it's Gustavo Batista. He's like, I don't care. You need to know how to get out of it. I'm like, all right, maybe I got to go hit the gym too a little bit. But, um, he's like, uh, all right, cool. You're going to start in uh, side control. They have underhook and head control. And I'm like, gosh, like you give me like the worst possible position. Like did Jonatas pass my guard? Like he hugged my head and got an underhook. Um, but when he started doing that, I started to, a, I appreciated and I started to really think about my guard retention so that like, if I do get in that position, I don't want to get in that position. I'm not saying I'm going to go to tournament and be like, Oh, haha, you think I'm trapped in here with you. But, uh, <laughs> but I still want to be able to get out of the position. I think that's really helped me a lot as well. So I'm glad you said that because that's what I've been doing as well. And I, I do feel like it even improves the other parts of your jujitsu because then you realize just how important it is to not get to those positions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like um, I also feel like being there. I used to I used to have like such an ego when I get my guard pass, and I still kind of do. But um, but when I would, I would almost kind of like just be like, "Damn it, this round is over." You know, I'd be down or whatever. I remember um, the the guy who gave me the hardest time with my guard at Marcelo's for a while was uh, Jonathan Sateva, and um, he's got some he's got some really good passing. And I remember at first when he would pass me, I'd get just like be like, "Oh, screw this," you know, whatever. But then also when I would get there, I'm like all right, I would try to put myself in mode. I'm like, all right, I'm down by three points. I got three minutes left. What do I have to do to get out of it? I'd really try to think of it as like a good thing. I'm like, okay, I might end up in a situation someday. 
I don't want to just give up or I don't want to just panic when I'm here. You know, I want to know it, feel comfortable from here. So I remember a couple months, actually, I remember it was like not too long after John beat the hell out of me for one week that I, uh, I fought Johnny Tama at like a DC open and Johnny like passed my guard the first minute and a half of the match, which shocked me. It's been a while since I had my guard passing a competition. Like I said, my ego was high on it at the time. And, but I remember being super calm because I'm like, man, Satava's been putting me in this position like all week. You know, I felt very comfortable at, at knowing how to calmly just get out, replace my guard. And I knew I had to get moving because I had to, I had to score back and I was eventually able to win the match. So it was just kind of like putting you in those spots kind of, uh, you know, gives you a li- little sense of comfort, you know, when you, when you go into competition that you don't, you're not going to panic or, you know, lose your cool or anything like that. Yeah, Definitely. So another topic that I, I wrote down that I wanted to touch on was, and you brought it up a little bit earlier, was on the mental coaching stuff. So you talked mm-hmm. about like one of the things you worked on was kind of accepting your mood on tournament day. Um, and I'm sure you probably worked on stuff in the training room with like being comfortable in bad positions and stuff. But like when did you start working with your uh, mental performance coach? And what do you think are some of the biggest like key takeaways you've gotten from that relationship? Oh, man. I, I've been speaking to him for a very long time. I've been speaking to him since before I got my black belt. Um, it kind of stemmed from right at the end of my brown belt career. Like I was uh, I was after Nogi Worlds. And I remember uh, I had just lost at the at Nogi Worlds. I took third. It was my last tournament brown. And I remember it wasn't even because of the opponent that I lost to. But I remember, um, I remember it was a time when Marcio Andre first got his brown belt. He won that division. And I was nervous as hell because he was like this new brown belt coming in. And I had just won Worlds in the Gi a couple months before that. And I put this pressure on myself to have to beat this new guy who was coming in to the division. I'm like, I need to prove myself. I need to, you know, show that, you know, I'm the man. So I didn't even get get the chance to fight him. I was thinking about him so much that I lost on the other side of the bracket in the semis to someone who I felt like I should have beat because I was so caught up in, in this eventual match that didn't even end up happening anyway. So I realized it was me not really giving myself enough respect. You know, I was like, I had done mm-hmm. so much already, that, but I was, I was looking too much at like what other people were doing. I'm like, hold on here. You know, I've done a lot myself. Why am I so concerned about, you know, these other guys? You know, I, I've been able to accomplish a lot at the lower belts. I shouldn't, I shouldn't worry as much about what my opponents are doing and how they are. So I went to him just because I first, it, it just, it just me wanting to, gain more confidence in myself, more of a belief in myself and not be so caught up in what other people were doing. Um, so there's a lot I can get into. We can talk for hours about, about the lessons I've gotten from him, especially since it's been seven years now. But, um, I mean, an important thing that we've gone over is just keeping things really simple, staying in our own bubble, focusing on ourselves, focusing on the things that we can control. And what that means is focusing on my technique, focusing on what works in my game, um, not changing a strategy. Like I, I, ever since I talked to him, I've never really made like a real strategy for a match because at the end of the day, the strategy is going to be what I do best and, and trying to apply my game as best as possible. What I would do is I would, I would adjust my game and adjust everything based on what my opponent was going to do. I'm like, no, at the end of the day, you want them to adjust to you. You know, that's, that's what you want to do. So I remember the first few lessons that we really went over was really based on that focusing on what I can control, not focusing on what my opponent's doing, not focusing on what the reps are doing, not focusing on just outside intangibles that I, that if you, if you focus on them too much, it leads to anxiety, it leads to stress. 
just focus on your training, your technique, your goals, um, and keep it and keep it simple like that. Um, so that kind of took away a lot of anxiety for me. Uh, it made training a lot easier because I wasn't thinking about what anyone else was doing. I was just kind of staying in my own world and um, focusing on what mattered most, and that was uh, myself and my game. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like that's something I've definitely struggled with a ton because I love to watch matches. It's like when I go yep. to tournaments, I try and watch everyone. Like I watch mm -hmm. everything on Flow Grappling, and it's it's pretty easy for that kind of stuff to get into your head. So so um, so what what can happen with that as well is another thing is like we you want to watch to some extent. Actually, for me, what I like to do is I like to watch matches and like to see what they do in the beginning. See mm -hmm. what they are they are they going to pull guard more? Are they going to let you pull? Are they going to look for takedowns? You know, maybe what guard they play or what their passing style is like, and then I turn it off right away because, you know youtube always makes people look way better than they actually yeah are. You, you know, definitely so i don't like to read into it too much i like to see where, where they start be able to kind of have a good idea from there uh and then go from there um another thing i was going to say about that was you want to be more um just when, when you watch matches i remember uh, something that i used to talk about with my coaches try to be more uh observational rather than judgmental when you watch someone mm. you know don't be like oh wow look at this guy's like okay he does this you know um okay he does that great cool let's deal with it let's go instead of being like oh shit this guy likes to do this or oh man he likes to do that that's a problem you know just be uh, just being more observational with what you see rather than um kind of coming to a judgment based on what you see in a match for sure so so when you're oh you, you do the same thing jake you were gonna say? Uh, yeah man it's like i, I was just gonna say um i was gonna ask a little bit, just like a short, or more of a short answer question. Do you, uh, do you happen to like take a notebook with you to events? Like what I, so what I started doing was the night before or two nights before an event, I'll watch the beginning of my opponent's fight and I will like observe kind of a little bit of the patterns they do and I'll write them down. I'll write my game plan down a day, a day or two or two or a day before the match so that I have it in my head and then I'll go out there and I'll do it. Yeah. I used to yeah. do that. I used to do that. Like we talked about how rigid my routine was. I have numerous things that I used to do a lot. And that was one thing, but I kind of just, I feel like uh, for me, it was a bit much. Like I was almost so rigid with the game plan that I wouldn't allow myself to open up. And I was probably missing up other opportunities when I was mm -hmm. in a match, you know? So I was like, I got to do this because this is my plan. And you know, there's, there's uh, adjustments you have to make in a match. And I, I, I felt like, at least for me, it's different for everybody, but I felt like that was limiting me from making certain adjustments. Um, it was also like, you know, I used to, I mean, before a week of training, I would write down every drill I was going to do during the week for every session. <laughs> not even just <laughs> what I was crazy. Gonna do next, not even, not even what I was going to do the next day. I'm like, okay, Monday morning drills. I'm going to do this pass, this pass, this pass, this pass. Monday night drills. I'm going to do this guard, this guard, this, this sweep, this sweep, this sweep, you know, Tuesday that all the same, you know, but then I felt like then I would never, open my eyes to trying different things. Maybe one of those training sessions, I would see something that was working or not working. And I should put that into my drill session instead of making it so rigid as to, I have to drill this for who knows, whatever reason. Um, you know, so I, I kind of eased up on the, um, planning out stuff, whether it be for training or for matches, not that I, not that I don't think it helps, but I just felt like for me, I almost became too robotic doing it. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of get out of that a little bit. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a crazy thing to be able to plan a whole week in advance and and stick to it. That's a, that takes a lot of. I, I did. Like. I did it for a while too. I, it wasn't <laughs> like the Sunday night before. It was like the Monday Monday morning train rides into the city, 
be yeah. game game planning the whole week. <laughs> That's crazy. So I, I kind of have another question about going back to watching matches. So you said like when you're watching guys, you like to watch the start of the match, like maybe pick up on patterns and stuff. But do you, are you able to watch like full matches just just for fun, or do you kind of stay away from that just so that doesn't kind of get in the way of of what you're trying to do in in terms of like focusing on yourself and stuff? Is this like being like at a tournament, or is this just being on YouTube watching watching matches? Just just being on YouTube or flow grappling. Oh, I, I like watching them. They're 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 entertaining to me. Um, I'll kind of skim through and stuff like that, and but uh, I'll watch matches. I, I I they're entertaining to me. I like watching the the events on like flow grappling. Um, you know, I'm not even big on UFC or MMA. Um, like I used to be. So I, for me, like a Saturday night is like watching a fight to win event or who's number one. Uh, I enjoy watching the matches uh, purely for entertainment. I'm, I'm not someone that's like breaking them down too much. I like to just watch because I'm a fan of the sport as well. Um, I have a hard time watching matches at tournaments because I feel like I just have such an ADD. I just look around. I'll watch a match <laughs> for like I'll watch a match for like ten seconds and then I'll see something in the corner of my eye and then I'll look back and it's over. I, I hate these events where there's like eight to ten mats. I can't. Even if it's like someone I'm really interested in, I can't watch it for like more than a minute just because all of a sudden I see something else really fast. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll spend time watching on YouTube. I'm not really the person that's like breaking down someone's game like crazy. But I always notice that if I uh, <laughs> like even, for example, like I'll watch a particular person for a while and I'm not even really like saying I want to practice this or I want to practice that. But I remember like I remember watching Marigali for a good week plus just because I don't know, I'm a fan of his game. And all of a sudden, I found myself that week playing so much like Deep Delhiva X. <laughs> you know, I was just automatically picking up his habits. Just, yeah, not not even because I wanted to, but just because you know I was just watching it enough to. It's almost like kind of training with the meows, you know, feeling their bare bowls enough. All just automatically makes me start going into them again. Watching someone like Marigali play Delhiva X uh, enough times, all of a sudden, I'm just kind of doing it without really thinking about it. You know, that's that's yeah. just that's just kind of me. That's so interesting. Jake, do, do you feel like you have the same experience when you watch, watch guys? You kind of want to practice some of their A-game and stuff? Well, Danny, you know, I just know everything already. So, uh, <laughs> just kidding. No, um, one thing uh, is if I'm like, okay, so it'll be, it'll be kind of the opposite. I will find something in the gym that I like and like my coach – because my coach and I talk about jiu-jitsu. We talk about it because I get to the gym about an hour, an hour and a half early uh, every day, and we talk about jiu-jitsu for like an hour, an hour and a half, and we just talk about, okay, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing that, because my coach is like kind of a psychopath, and he, uh, he, you know, he's like really studies jiu-jitsu all the time. He studies jiu-jitsu so much that within two weeks, he'll have seen like every match at Worlds that ev- that happened wow. across all the belt levels. Like, it's <laughs> insane. It's insane. Like, it, he will watch everything. And uh, so I'll he'll be like, yeah, this guy, uh, you know, Metagali does this, you know, show me like kind of a thing he does. And then I'll be like, oh, I want to try that. So I'll try like the loose thing that Andre told me in training. And then I'll be like, oh, I don't really understand this. So I'll, then I'll watch Metagali or like, you know, the collar and sleeve. Like I said, the collar, like I was like, oh, who does collar and sleeve? And then I'm like, oh, OK, this guy. Uh, and I even saw the Luna Brothers do collar and sleeve. And I saw um, uh, Hamilo Bahal does a little bit of collar and sleeve. So I'm watching all these guys. And then there was that period of time where I was learning Bird and Bolo again. And then I was watching you, and I was watching Mikey, and I was watching Danny Freestyle, and I was watching Nick Sal. And then I'm like, everybody does so much. Like, oh, so I don't. I gotta find my own way to do it. And then I, uh, I don't, I don't have my own way yet because I'm super tall. I'm like a really weirdly shaped human being. So, <laughs> uh, that's a little bit of information that I'm divulging to you. Nice to meet you. Uh, <laughs> 
But yeah, it's like I definitely do kind of like the opposite. I'll find out like what Andre tells me and then I'll go watch what Andre tells me in a way. You know what I mean? It's almost like homework. Yeah. But I do enjoy it. It's like my <laughs> like the footlock. Like I know that like Luis Panza has a good footlock. Um even Mikey has a good footlock. But I don't think anybody does a footlock like I do, but it is cool to see how other people do the footlock, you know? I remember one time I was training with Mikey, he was like a brown belt at the time. And I think I was a newer black belt. And uh, he put me in a footlock where, like, but his mistake was that he was, like, easing up on it, like, at certain points. It was tight. It was tight. I was, like, poker facing as best as I could. <laughs> and I remember, like, but I didn't really want, I didn't want to tap to it. But he would, like, ease up on it. So I'm like, okay, I can breathe. Oh, and then he would crank it again. I'd be like, hold your breath. <laughs> you know? And then he'd ease up on it again. And eventually I was able to get out. But I was, like, there's, like, three or four of those moments where I was, like, this is this is terrible, <laughs> you know, but he just kind of eased up on it eventually to, to the point where I was eventually able to get out, which I appreciated. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I remember maybe it was like two or three years ago. I think, I think you posted a picture with your ankle, like super swollen. And you were saying like, people think that featherweights don't hurt their feet when they get ankle locked, but this is like oh, the result yeah, of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of which one that one. I think, uh, Edwin got me in a really good esteem a lock oh, at, the, man. At, the, at, one, at one of the third coast events. And, I didn't tap to it. I was all right, but I was pretty, uh, I was pretty messed up for a little while there. I remember like every day after training, I was putting my foot in like an ice bucket. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, that, that was, I uh, appreciated that one. He, uh, he had me in that one pretty good. Yeah. It looked so swollen. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, just have a couple more questions if, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah, yeah. We're coming up on an hour, but, um, so one thing that I feel like is really changing in jujitsu, obviously from the time, like when you guys started, um, is like social media. So I feel like now it's kind of, it's pretty much a viable career to do jujitsu, try and do it professionally, have a school, have a bunch of students and, and make your living that way. And I feel like social media is like a big part of that. So mm -hmm. if you were starting jujitsu now, or if you wanted to give advice to someone who's starting now and they want to build a career out of jujitsu from scratch, what, what kind of strategy would you tell them to take in terms of like how they should market themselves, how they should promote themselves? I don't know if I'm the best person to ask. Because I'm not very, I don't think I'm very good at that myself. Like I've, I've been told a lot of ways that I don't market myself super well. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm never sure really what to say to, to market myself. I feel like, I feel like some of the stuff that I do say, I end up deleting because it comes out really cheesy. You know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I don't know all this motivational crap, but um, I don't know. I don't, I, I think the only. So, so your question is how to get yourself out there in jujitsu? Yeah, like kind of just like how to build your name, how to brand yourself. Because I feel like you do a really good job of it. I feel like you have huh. like a brand that people. Yeah, I'm just hard on myself. I don't know. Yeah, but like everyone associates you with being like the really hardworking guy, very regimented, very disciplined. Like people kind of have this idea about you without knowing you personally. I feel like I don't know if Jake would agree with that, but like you're you're known as like one of the hardest <laughs> workers and. Um, yeah, you have like a. You put me in a box to like insult him, kind of like backhandedly. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I don't just, know if Jake just, agrees with me that you're a super cool guy that works really hard, but. Uh, no, no, like, no. Damn, man. <laughs> I just felt like, do you get that same like impression when when you see Johnny's social media? You're like, okay, like you have kind of an idea of what kind of athlete he is, what kind of lifestyle he's kind of promoting. Um, 
I don't know well, if that makes sense. It makes sense to me. Here's here's my opinion of jujitsu social media. You can either be like Gianni and be yourself, a hardworking dude who like it's like you said. Every time you post something, like, ah, I end up deleting it because it's kind of like uh, I don't know how to be this inspirational kind of guy. But like when you're yourself, it's already kind of inspiring, right? I'm not gonna blow yeah. too much smoke up your butt, but what I'm saying, <laughs> is, like me, like I'm myself, and I decided it's way too hard to try to be like you know someone I'm not on social media. So I just be myself, so, right? I'll, be I'll, who I'll, I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like you got people like the other side who are just like, I'm going to just be a gigantic butt face. The entire <laughs> like I'm just going to be as rude as I can. Maybe that's who they are. I don't know. But I don't even need to say names because everybody knows everybody I'm talking about. There's not just one person. It's multiple people who are just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be Conor McGregor if he was this or Conor McGregor if he was that. You know what I mean? And I just think like, oh, gosh, like what is this? A WWE? Uh so it's, you know, I'm not going to get like too uh, I ideologically political here, but I like that you are yourself and you are unapologetically yourself. And that inspires people. That's why I introduced you as the American hero, because I feel like not a lot of Americans other like like the two like there's a lot of Americans that are very cool, like you, Jamil, Mikey. Uh, well, that's kind of it. <laughs> that's not a lot. I just get it. There's, no, there's, but, uh, no cool there's so many. There's like four. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, you guys, you guys are just like, you just love jujitsu. You love people. You love training. This is a good life. And I think a lot of people can gain a lot from that. You know, I don't know. I, um, I don't really know how, like, not to be real. Um, and so like, for example, I remember uh, a female black belt once told me, Gianni, you're good enough looking. You should like post more pictures of the beach, more pictures <laughs> of you and like babies and shit like that. And she was like very attractive. And I'm like, Oh, I can't do that. I, it's not me. I just feel, and to post some motivational quote with that, with that type of thing. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to post about training and post about my competing and let that be it. You know, maybe, maybe it doesn't get all the likes or the attention, but that that's about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I only know kind of how to be real. I kind of talk about how I, how I feel, what I mentally go through when I train, um, what I mentally go through when I win and when I lose, um, you know, I, I feel like just just kind of trying to share some experiences of how I feel when I compete, that I still go through mental struggles in training. I still go through mental struggles when I compete. Just, you know, just being real with people online, showing that, OK, I could be a high level competitor, but I can also, you know, deal with shit um, and I have to overcome things. And I think uh, I think people can appreciate that. But I, I mean, at the end of the way, at the end of the day, the only I think the best way to just market yourself is to just. You know, show that you're putting in the work, show that you're serious about what you do, that you don't take this for granted, you know, and that you see that the drinks in the background uh, are not are not for me. You know. All the hard <laughs> They're not mine. They were <laughs> before they became empty bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were full before this, before this conversation here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Every time but, I dip uh, out of frame, it's because I'm drinking because I have to have a conversation with Jake. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think I, for me, I always feel like the the, the way I, I like doing it is just kind of being open and honest about how my training is, about you know how I mentally approach competition or how I deal with setbacks or how I deal with you know success or whatever. And I think people can appreciate uh, good honesty. Yeah, I think they people can tell that your posts are, are real and they're coming coming from the heart. They're not mm -hmm. like you. They're not like just some. Like like you said, you with your shirt off on the beach, just posting a random motivational. Yeah, quote. it's it's funny though. Like I, I did get some someone uh, took some pictures for me for a workout. I'm like, damn, 
You look good right now, man. Like post it. You should have put. This I'm, is what I'm really tempted, but I'm like, I'm not gonna do it. And <laughs> you should have. You should have posted the shirtless photo and said, "This is what was going through my head when I opened this shirtless photo of me." I I, I said, "Man, you're looking really good." And then I decided not to post it with that quote. So then you just insert an Instagram. <laughs> you're kind of like no, Goku. Not bad. That's not a bad idea. You're kind yeah, of like Goku. Super real. Like tra- attractive female black belt says you could you should take more shirtless photos. Who cares if she's hitting on me? I'm no <laughs> brother, sister. I am here to win. I am not here to be gone with your your attractive flirtatious vibes, you, you vile woman. I am trying to win championships here. Exactly. Oh, for yeah. a job. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny well yeah so that was that was pretty much all the all the questions i had we really appreciate your time um know you're super busy with training and, and getting ready for all the competitions and stuff so is, is there any uh any sponsors or any friends you want to thank um before we close it up yeah just um just want to thank my sponsors uh venom jiu-jitsu and uh i guess i thank myself and and, and my and my partner <laughs> for, for, for uh for grip tape Yep. Um, not, <laughs> well, thanking, yeah. th- not thanking myself, but just but just want to give that a shout out as well. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to follow us at, on Instagram at Grip Tape, G-R-I-P-P. The second P is because it's supposed to be kind of my last name and tape, T-A-P-E. Um, you know, I go to griptape.com. Uh, we've been around for about two years now and we're just kind of getting our foot in the door. Uh, still in the process of, you know getting our getting our brand out there you know if you see me at local tournaments i'm usually passing around tape if i can um that's that's what my partner gives me as a job he's like okay go compete but also pass out samples to everybody so that you know people can know what we're what our brand is but uh it's been a nice little build up you know we're, we're growing and i think i think we're uh, we're going somewhere good so if you guys want to go follow us please do that and uh appreciate any support yeah, definitely. I definitely I can vouch for uh, the quality of the grip tape. Uh, Johnny gave me yes, some I last weekend in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really high quality stuff. So definitely look them up on Instagram, follow them, buy the product. It's really, really good quality. And obviously you're supporting someone who's doing a lot for the jiu-jitsu community. So you're doing killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah I you. saw that you gave uh, Danny tape. That was super cool. Was Jake very, wanted some. He got jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm not even. Gonna... You gotta, you gotta be, we'll, we'll send you a shirt. We have, we have shirts where it's got my hands on it, my ugly ass hands on it. <laughs> I compete cool too. I compete too. <laughs> Do you even know me? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, Danny or uh, uh, Gianni, thank you for thanking your sponsor. We're gonna thank ours now. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> if you want to get so thick that uh, Gianni would never post you on his Instagram. Never. He would be like, nope, sorry, can't post that. It is too uh, handsome, thick, attractive, and swole. Then use Electrum Performance. That is the uh, the brand you want to use. Go download their app. We love them. They support the show. Uh, we want to thank Matakaba BJJ and Chofit Cryo and Agro Brand. So that do you see how smooth that was, Danny? Uh, Gianni, I just want to let you know, I am the commentator of EUG Promotions officially. <laughs> You're gonna be good at this, man. I don't think I've heard you enough, but now I'm really looking forward to, to hearing you on there. You know, I'm gonna have to like, I'm gonna have to like live stream it in between my matches and just just so I can listen to you. Yeah, I'll you I'll make sure to talk a little bit more about you during the the next match. So it's be like, all right, so hey, you guys remember that guy, uh, Gianni Grippo, that just fought? Yeah, uh, love that guy. Uh, really. <laughs> Nice, not only handsome, nice. but American hero as well. Captain and America, he, he, he had weird things. Shirtless selfies all the time. <laughs> yeah. We also uh, want to uh, 
The Fight Clock is brought to you by Gianni Grippo Shirtless Body. <laughs> at Gianni P. Grippo. Uh, no, but um, yeah, uh, I'm going to be coming. Danny and I will both be there, so it's going to be super cool. After the weigh-ins, we'll probably uh, do a little tiny interview or something like that. I think Hector's got planned, but uh, I was going to say something else, and then I completely forgot it. Really uh, good podcast. Maybe Jiu-Jitsu about. X's uh, election performance product. We didn't mention that. Oh, Let's yeah. That out. yeah. X released an election performance product uh, about, I mean, Alex Turner and Alex Bryce just showing you guys on a Jiu-Jitsu X platform some fundamental concepts of strength and conditioning that are not only going to improve your Jiu-Jitsu strength, but if you got that girl that you just needed that little extra something to get her to ask you out or perhaps you grow some balls and ask her out, <laughs> man, they're helping you out. Awesome. All right, so – you cool if I close it out, Jake? Anything else? <laughs> sorry, sorry, my fault. No, you're good. Thanks again, Gianni, for for coming on. We really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, you know, thank and, you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we're See definitely looking forward. To, yeah, for sure. We're definitely looking forward to EUG promotions and meeting you and all the rest of the competitors. So thanks everyone for listening. This was episode 85 of the Open Guard Cast with Gianni Grippo, and we'll see you guys soon.